We welcome you to the media ministries of the Gathering Church in the Countryside YMCA of Mainville. As we love the Lord and each other, we're trusting that God would use us to plant a church in every YMCA around the world. To this end, would you join us? We meet on Sundays at 10 a.m. and in community groups throughout the week. As you listen to this resource, our prayer is that your love for Jesus would grow deep and your love for others would be seen and heard. And if you are with us this morning and here, you can turn to the book of Luke. And we'll be in chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. Awesome. Well, uh, today we're starting our theme uh, called Prepare Him Room, which goes right along with the song, Let Every Heart Prepare Him Room. And uh, we're looking at various texts this month that uh, will teach us um, to learn Christ and how to do this. Uh, The Reformers said that we're in the school of Christ. So we're continually learning how how to follow Jesus in such a way. And this month, we're devoting ourselves to learning how to follow him by preparing him room. It's really this this image given um, by the poet who wrote that of one of space. It's like um, if you were to think about um, just watching a movie with a friend or family or spouse, and, and you're on the couch, and they come close to you with a bowl of popcorn, and you just, you know, you lift up your blanket, you kind of scooch over a little bit, and you welcome them to sit right next to you. That's really all it is. It's just, it's preparing room for someone. You wouldn't, if they come down with a big bowl of popcorn, you wouldn't like stay sprawled out on the couch, um, but you would you would welcome them with, with your body and with your face, and, and you'd want to enjoy them and be with them. That's it. So preparing him room is, is an idea of invitation. It's welcoming a person. It's saying, hey, I, I invite you here right now. And so that's how it is with the Lord. We're saying, I want to enjoy you, or kind of what David said, I want to adore you, Lord. I want to be with you. Will you work in my life? I invite you into this space, into this circumstance, into this situation. Would you, would you come? I'm preparing you a room right now. So uh, the title for today's sermon is Take Time to Marvel. Take Time to Marvel. So a frequent question that is asked um, to each other around Christmas time. People ask me, whatever. It's, uh, hey, Mike, do you have big plans this Christmas? Um, and lately, here's how I've been answering it. No. No, I don't. Not at all. And, you know, it's kind of this shock factor. Like, oh, everyone usually says, yeah, we're going this and we're doing this. No, I don't have big plans. We try to say no to a number of things um, so that we can be still and prepare him room. <laughs> that's, that's been my answer. And it's allowed me to like 
to have further discussions with people about our strategy to walk with Jesus in the month of December. Because you got to have strategies, right? I mean, there's office parties, there's like classroom pizza parties, there's celebrations, and they're all good, but all of them can take up a lot of space, can't they? So the idea of preparing him room, it's not just an idea that says, hey, everyone, hey, church, you got to stop everything that you're doing and have one big, long, quiet time. Right? It's, it's not that. It's, it, it, it's, it's so much more than that. If you're saying room, really you're saying your life. And you're saying, I want to allow you, Lord, into every area of my life. Every part is yours. Would you come? So let your eyes fall on down to Luke 2. And our story today actually starts in verse 22. Um, But I'd like to just summarize it for you since it's a good narrative. So it starts in 22 with a dude named Simeon. Okay? This is an old guy. He's in the temple. And the Holy Spirit told him, Hey, Simeon, come here. You're not going to die until you see the Christ. Like you're not going to go home to be with the Lord until your very eyes get to be fixated on the Son of God Himself. And it doesn't say in the Scriptures, but it was like his answer was probably like, sweet, I love that, okay. And so he's just looking left and right, right? And Mary and Joseph come on in the temple. He sees Jesus. The brother, no discussion at all with Mary, takes the baby right out of her arms, holds him up in the air, Lion King style, right? Like, and then prophesies over him, says a bunch of cool stuff. And then Mary and Joseph, hold on, I think I've got you, okay? I won't tell you what they did or said. Let's just pause right there, okay? Don't look. I see a couple of you looking. Don't look. First off, um, I think it'll comfort you to know that um, we do not conduct the gathering children's ministry in such a way where we encourage or train people. Like, hey, here's how you do it. When they check in, just beeline right to the baby. Don't even talk to the mom. Like, rip her out of her arms and, like, hold her up like that and start saying stuff about the baby. Like, we, we don't do that. And so if you're, like, visiting here, I hope that, like, your experience in checking your kids into the children's ministry was a nice experience. We actually discourage that, just to be clear. You know, it's not very social socially acceptable to uh, be all weird. So (laughs) don't do that. Don't do that. But Simeon did it because he knew he knew that baby was the Christ. He knew that was God incarnate. And so he he went to him. He, He delighted in the fact that that was that was God. He knew that this was the turning point of all history. He knew that 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 person was going to be the the center point of what we now know as the the human timeline of history. 
And so in verse 33, it's written about what Mary and Joseph, how they responded to Simeon's um, words. Let me read it for you. Verse 33, it says, And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. So Mary and Joseph, hearing what Simeon said, they marveled at him. Now, quick story. When I was born, um, to my recollection, recollection and, and really uh, what was written and said about me, there wasn't anybody marveling. Okay, like my story of my birth is this. Uh, my mom and dad went to Ponderosa. Anybody know Ponderosa? Uh-huh. It's a buffet. We've been missing buffets because of COVID, but I mean, they're coming back. But Ponderosa is known for its fried chicken. And my mom was rocking some fried chicken when I was in the womb. Okay. And I guess like that fried chicken kind of greased the wheels, got things going. And as a result, I'm here today, right? So fried chicken ponderosa, give it a shot. Um, but I was born November 25th. And uh, there's one other person in here also born November 25th back here. Um, but my mom wrote a poem for me, uh, and it goes like this. "'Twas one month before Christmas, and all through the house, not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse." The stockings were hung by the mantle with care in hope that a baby soon would be here, right? Towards one month before Christmas. Did you like that? I know. You can thank my mom for that. Yes. Um, but um, really, I mean, you got Ponderosa fried chicken. You got a nice little poem. But still, no one reacted to my birth with marveling, with amazement, with, with wonder, but Mary and Joseph did. Quick note, we need to do a baby dedication here because we got some coming. But when I was, when I was dedicated at our church, um, uh, my dad, like later in years, told me that they didn't put a rose up on the, on the pulpit or anything. They put a dandelion. I know. How about that for uplifting? You know, it's like, my word. It's like, okay. So marvel, marvel. Nobody's marveling at Newman here. They're marveling at the Christ, at Jesus who came. Marvel's not some like movie series. We're not going there. It, it, it's a word that means to be amazed, to ponder, to look at, to worship, to think about deeply. So what did they marvel? What did Mary and Joseph marvel? marvel? And so as we learn, what, is it, what does it mean to prepare him room this Christmas season? As we start to begin this, this path of marveling our Christ, what specifically did they hear that caused them to be amazed? That's the question. He said three things. Here's the first one. Let your eyes go to verse 29 and 30. The first one is Simeon said, hey, I could die a happy man. Okay, let me read it for you. Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation. Just a little bit further back in verse 26, we see there that the Holy Spirit really did promise Simeon that he was going to let him see God before his death. 
And so Simeon, his whole life, was waiting on the very words of God for them to come true. That was how he waited, right? And like, I've joked around like, like this, oh, I could die a happy man. Like, maybe my wife makes just a stellar dinner. Or maybe I'm like getting a shoulder up and I'm going, oh, oh, I could die a happy man. Right? But like, I don't like really mean it. But here Simeon says, I've, I've seen God. I'm ready to go see him. I'm ready to go. How could it get any better? I've set my own physical eyes on the God-man. So I, I, think, I think I could die in peace now. It's beautiful. Look at number two. He says that, that this baby is the light for the world. Let your eyes find verse 32. It says, a light for revelation to the Gentiles. My thirdborn is um, reading Prince Caspian right now, a part of the Chronicles of Narnia. And there's this part in Prince Caspian where um, these big winged eagles with four, um, four claws pick up High, uh, High King Peter, they pick up Susan, and they pick up Edmund, and they bring them to the tower, uh, to this like, to this massive tower, and they put them on all the, all the top points of the tower. And um, Edmund has this flashlight that he brought with him from London, right, as he passed through into the Narnia world. And he is on top there, and there's Narnians all in the woods, and they're trying to take back what is rightfully theirs. And so they're waiting for the signal, for the symbol of light, okay? So Edmund's in the tower. He beats up this towerman, and then he takes out his flashlight and points to the woods, and he flicks it on and off and on and off and on and off. And the Narnians... It, it, it was this good moment where you realize this wasn't just a nice little symbol. Oh, look at the light, right? But it, it called them out of the darkness. It called them out of the woods. And it, it, it was, it, it like changed their breath, their, their whole demeanor, their posture. It was like, we, we must go. That's it. We see the light. And so the Narnians charged the castle, the big like centaurs and, you know, all these cool animals with big battle axes are charging the tower because the light called them. That's how light works. The scriptures speak of Jesus being the light of the world. It says that, that he shines in darkness and the darkness what? comprehends it not. That's right. So this is us. This is our gospel, that we were once in the darkness and the person of Jesus shines. He shined. He called us out of darkness. And those who respond with faith and repentance are now in the light. They know the Lord. And those who do not respond to the calling, the, the, the drawing of the Lord, they're still in the darkness. Hey, real quick, are you in the darkness? Have you ever responded to the Lord with faith and repentance? Have you ever placed your faith and trust in Jesus? And if you haven't, it's not my opinion, not just what Mike says or whatever, but the Bible would say that you are in darkness. 
And the way to get out of that darkness is to follow Jesus, to love him with your life, to place your faith in him. And he alone forgives sins, washes you clean, and draws you in to where you can sing songs like, Be near, O God, your nearness is my good. Isn't that a good song? That was the one that I needed to sing this morning. Isaiah 9 says, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. A grandfather uh, told me this week that he took his, his granddaughter to King's Island, right? And the discussion went like this. How many lights do you think are here at King's Island? Do you think a hundred? Anyone been to the, the Winterfest at King's Island? Do you think a thousand lights at this thing? Do you think a million lights at King's Island, right? And I actually uh, looked it up after that conversation. Very credible source. I asked Siri, how many lights are at King's Island? And here is what she told me. Uh, the Mason Amusement Park will be lit up with more than 5 million holiday lights. We'll feature 10 Wonderlands, 16 live shows, and up to 19 rides, and one magical Christmas tree, the 314-foot-tall Eiffel Tower. Five million lights, though. Isn't that wild? And the discussion went like this. Grandpa to the grandchild. All these lights for one baby. That's it. The light of the world. That's what Simeon is saying. For all of time, this baby, he will be the light for the whole world. And number three, this is the last thing that Simeon said. Verse 32b, number three is the glory for your people. Do you see that in there? It says, and for the glory to your people, Israel. So again, Simeon, he picked up the Messiah. This is the one to forgive sins. This is the one to be a light to the nations. And he says that this baby will be for the glory of God's people. Like God's people will glory in him. And when they do, he will get glory. So what do you glory in, friends? Oftentimes we say that what occupies your mind is what you worship. What you think about the most is what you glory in. What are you thinking about? What occupies your mind? Moms and dads, you remember when you had your firstborn, you would like take the blanket, you put it in the living room and, and then set that baby on there. And then you and your bride would lay on down on that blanket and you would just stare at your baby. You remember that for, you know, felt like forever. You just, you just couldn't get enough of that baby. That is what it means to behold something, to glory in something. And that's what Simeon is saying about Jesus. He's saying that this baby will, will be the one that his people will want to glory in and behold. It will be the most important thing about them. They'll want to be fixated on him. They'll want to talk about him. They'll want every part of their life 
centered around him, it will be their glory. And so after Simeon said these things, hey, I could die a happy man. Hey, this baby's going to be the light of the world. And for God's people, they are going to glory in him. And he's going to get glory when they give him glory. After he said those things, Mary and Joseph went like this. They marveled at what he was saying. This concept of, of marveling is, is, is like a lost art in today's culture. It's, it's unheard of these days. People taking the time to think about something, pausing and pondering truth is absent from the culture. To take time and stop and reflect with each other. To talk about things deeper than, how'd your day go? Oh, okay, what's for dinner? So we're in a culture that doesn't marvel right now. We're actually in a culture that hurries. That could be a, a, a mark of our people. You know, 100, 200 years from now, they look back. 2021, how did they live? Whoa. Man, they were in a hurry. Corey Tenboom once said, if the devil can't make you sin, he'll make you busy. Busyness isn't necessarily a sin, but it can be a distraction towards following the main thing, following the Lord. Busyness can cut off your relationship to the Lord. It can cut off your relationship to others. It can even distract and allow your heart to grow cold if you're so busy. And you know what? I am not exempt from this. I'm probably one of the worst in this room on this. Oftentimes, if I am given the least bit of margin... I'll walk out the door, I'll turn on the car, and immediately I'll be either on my phone calling someone or I'll be on my phone listening to a podcast in order to develop myself. Maybe there's news I need to know, maybe there's a sermon there, maybe there's you know some discussion that, that I could deepen. I am like king of cutting off my own margin. I'll check my email even though the last time I checked it, the number hasn't changed. I'll still open it up. Anyone there with me? I will check my text even though the number hasn't changed. Voicemails, Twitter, Facebook. I have a hard time preparing him room. I have a hard time saying, I'm going to give you the space, Lord. I'm not going to be in a hurry. I'm going to I'm going to pray. I'm going to think about you. I'm going to work on the scripture memory. Listen to this quote. This one's by John Piper and it's a little bit of a kick in the throat, but it's a good one. One of the greatest uses of Twitter and Facebook will be to prove at the last day that prayerlessness 
was not from lack of time. So church, uh, my call to you uh, as we begin this prepare him room theme is to take time to marvel. Mary and Joseph did it. I'm sure it went like this, like within their marriage. Ah, oh, Joseph, did you hear what he said about our baby? Jeez, did you hear that? That he would be the light of the world? Isn't that incredible? Yeah. Did you hear what he said about glory? What do you think that means? Man, I really, that people from all time, all nations, will hold Jesus as the most precious to them? That they'll glory in him? That they'll worship him? Can you believe that we're raising this baby? Oh, don't you feel so undeserving? How can you? Oh, and they marveled. They took time to talk about it. They marveled. So here's a few just practical, like landing the plane type things with how to marvel this month, okay? Um, I think there's five of them. Number one, read together. This is also a lost art. Uh, so we, as a family, we love reading together. And lately, we've all we do is we, 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 I make a fire, which is like our entertainment for the night. We just love it. And as a dad, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to bring the family close together. So we're not like in each room or whatever. So I make a fire. Everyone wants to stay warm. We draw close. And our kids get to pick out two books. Uh, one is just a book on whatever. Like, let's just have fun and enjoy reading together. One of our favorite Christmas books is, is uh, Under the Mooseltoe, and it's about this moose with a big mustache. And, you know. and then they get to pick one like Christian book, like one, whether it's like from a, a children's Bible or whatever, but um, we read something spiritual. Um, last night it was about the star. And, uh, and it's, it's a great time. It allows us to marvel on the things uh, that we need to be marveling at. Um, and it saves a little money on our gas bill, right? Make a little fire. And so I would encourage you, if you're already in the habit of reading at night, uh, do that. Choose one book, whether your kids are out of the house or whatever. Like, read together. Maybe you're a couple where you each have a book, and then you read an hour or 30 minutes or 10 minutes in your own chairs. And then before you brush your teeth at night, you go, so what did you learn? So what did you learn? That is just the process of marveling on Christ. Take the time to marvel by reading together. Next one, pray together. Praying is a great tool to marvel. Um, this is something that Hannah and I have talked about, where we want to grow as a family together. Um, so when we say pray together, yes, we mean individually our family. Yes, we mean as a church. But especially, I'm, I'm talking about um, Hannah and I leading our children in prayer uh, before they go to bed. So some of our rhythms, I'm, try, I'm just trying to be as practical and helpful as possible so we're not an ethereal church of marvel. Oh, okay, what does that mean? Whatever, right? 
So I would say we've done a pretty good job of tucking in our children at night. So every night they go upstairs and, um, you know, we do the regular things of, hey, let's put this away. Let's take care of the guinea pigs now, right? Um, but, but we, you know, put the blankets right up to their chin and then we say, let's pray. Okay, so we pray individually with our kids. But there's something special about praying in our living room together. I'm not trying to heighten one room over the other with spirituality, but we're all together in our living room before we go off into our places. We have different bedtimes. We have different you know, like stages in life, right? Hannah and I usually go to bed first. <laughs> but when we all pray together in our living room, it's awesome. And we don't do it enough, do we, Ruthie? We need to do it more. But when I say that, let me just like just share with you what we're learning. We as parents are trying not to control our prayers of our kids, right? So I'll just say like, hey, I'll close and why don't each of us take a turn to pray? And we listen to each other pray. And we're teaching each other to listen to each other. Okay, she's praying about this. That's on her heart. Huh, interesting. Wow, she prayed for Iraq. I haven't followed up with her about the pastors in Iraq in six months. And she remembered. I need to be... Let's talk about that again, right? Okay, she's praying about this. And she's praying about relationships. And I'm knowing my kids, but also... We're marveling together about Jesus. And it's not just because like, I'm the pastor. I actually need to hear my wife and my children pray. It encourages and challenges and like warms my heart. So dads, uh, don't be afraid if you feel a little bit like scared or like insecure or if you feel like you're not enough because you are not enough. You, you're not the point. Your point is to point them to the person who is enough. And so just live it out and give it a shot. Pray together. This, um, it's just kind of a sub point to this, but this means that you need to limit your media intake. Take it from me if you don't know this already, but if you've ever tried to pray after watching a movie or a show, good night. Give it up, Right? Ever been there? Like you're watching a movie. As soon as you turn it off, someone is hurting, someone is hungry, and someone's like, something's the matter. Have you ever experienced that? Or is that just our family? Come on. As soon as it's over, it's like, okay, what's going on here? Movies. Okay. Movies aren't bad, right? But I would encourage you to limit your show watching, your media intake. It can't be every night. Like there's got to be other things in your tool belt as you are fostering um, love for each other in the home. Cool. Number three, talk together. This should totally go without saying, but I'd like to say it anyways. You glory in Jesus. You, you marvel in him. You're amazed by him when you talk to others about him. When you, when you speak about him, when you open your mouth. So a lot of times it just comes in the form of a question. And that's how the conversation can begin. It goes like this. This is, you don't need like a seminary degree for this. Ready? What are you learning in the scriptures? That's it. 
So, so try that this week. As you, as you seek to marvel, to be amazed by the things of God, ask people in your home. So what is the Lord teaching you these days? It requires communication, and communication is a good thing. Two more. Are you tracking with me? Two more. Here we go. Number four is you got to be able to say no to some things. Okay? You have to be able to say no to some things in order to marvel. Okay? So, calendar time. Like, picture your Monday through Saturday that's coming up. Of the 12 really good things that are on the calendar, what's maybe one thing that could go? What are some good things that you could say no to in order to do like one or two or three great things? And what you're hearing from your pastor today is a great thing would be to quiet your life and to marvel by reading the scriptures, by praying together, by talking about him. He is the reason for the season. Amen? You got to say that at least once every Christmas. So you got to say no to some things. Guess what? Ready? This is number five. We'll close on this one. You have to say yes to some things. <laughs> Friends, you have to say yes to some things. Am I contradicting myself? No. You have to have discernment in life. Amen? You have to pray through things and prepare him room by saying yes to some things. So some folks it will experience the Lord more if they respond to the knocking of the door on your life by Jesus. He, Revelation 3.20, he says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. That's not just for people to come to Jesus. That's also to walk with him. And so if he is knocking and if he's saying, hey, so-and-so, I want you to follow me in this area. I want you to give this up and I want you to cook a meal for this person. Or I want you to go visit this person or I want you to call or text or da-da-da. I want you to get out of your comfort zone. I want you to say yes to Jesus. And in so doing, you have prepared Jesus' room. You've said yes to Jesus. And you've said no to yourself in that situation. So you've got to say no to some things. Hey, look, we're just too busy, sweetheart. Let's just trim it down a little bit this week. And then you got to go, you know what? Let's do this. Let's go after this. Whew, we're going to be a little bit tired. I know, but it's important to me. I feel like the Lord is leading us to do this. So say no to some things. Say yes to some things. Do you hear him knocking in those areas? Is he leading you? That would be something to ponder, to think about. So at lunch today, you could go, well, what Pastor Mike said today, is he leading you in any areas? Do you hear him knocking? Has there been something on your heart that, that you've been waiting for and and can I help you obey Jesus in this area? So let's marvel together, shall we?